The Fantasy Six-Pack Hour With your hosts Joe Bob Ah, you're awful <laughs> And A.J. Applegar It's Sin Shoo Sin Shoo Chew It's a mouthful All right, all right. Welcome to the Fantasy Six Pack Hour. My name is Joe Bond, founder of FantasySixPack.net. With me as usual, co-host AJ Abergarth. What's up, man? Hey, uh, I got to show off my uh, my new toy. It's literally a, a new toy. It's a diecast. Mystery nice. machine, bitches. What up? <laughs> nice. I like it, man. I'm pretty sure I bought it after after last week's show when I was perusing the face space marketplace. And uh of course you buy it and then it's like, well, I mean I'd been drinking, so of course I was gonna buy it. But I bought it. You know, and then it's like, oh, you might be interested in these things. And it's like six more of these and they're all cheaper. I'm like, mother uh, sucker. Bitch. <laughs> like whatever. It was twenty bucks. I don't really care. You bought like, that for twenty dollars? Yeah, oh, that's right, man. dude. I had Scooby Doo checks because nobody writes checks. But I mean, it was it's it was more of a novelty item. All right, Collect, collect whatever, man. Did you you do you, man? <laughs> you do you. Um. So tonight we're going to be talking about some slow starts. You know, if we're concerned about some of these guys going to be getting into obviously breaking down some of the latest injuries and <coughs> COVID. Uh, and then our guest tonight is going to be Dave Eddy, and he's going to help us with all of that, along with breaking down some dynasty baseball strategy and some DFS baseball strategy stuff. So uh, good show tonight for everybody. And uh, just before we jump into it, I just want to remind everybody to hit that subscribe and that like button or wherever you're listening and following us. Uh, we appreciate the support. And on that note, let's bring in our guest, Dave Eddy, um, who is the director of Dynasty Baseball here at Fantasy Six Pack. Uh, we are glad to have you on board. You know, you brought on that awesome team, and, and they've been churning out content uh, left and right here, man. It's It's been great stuff, and uh, glad to have you on the show. How are you doing tonight, man? Well, I mean, it's a huge upgrade from the fantasy six pack bitch that I was for so long. So, um, I mean, you, you know, still I, I really kind of are, that. but a little bit, little bit. Now I got now I got little bitches below me. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a head bitch. I'm head bitch. Yeah. Oh, fun stuff, man. HBIC. Uh, what up? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's good stuff, man. Um, all right. So, we like to do. Uh, before we jump into everything here, we like to do our beer of the week. Mm, beer. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, Dave, you are the guest of honor. Let's let you go first, man. Well, for me, I think it's the same thing that I've had every time I've been on here. Um, you know, very high class, very snooty, but very much my personality. So. Uh, I've got the good old-fashioned Bud Light there, so cheers, my friends. 
Awesome. Awesome. Hey, that's fine, man. Do you, you, you do you do you. Our boy Jason, I'm pretty it. sure he gives that like a five out of five. Yes, he uh, does. All the He's... time on uh, on tap. Little, little little odd, but you know. Shout hey. out Hobel. <laughs> um, I myself am drinking. Uh, been drinking i yes um <laughs> shocker a gulp fiction let me get a little turn nice. here so we got you know lizards of some sort i guess uh it's a king's county brewers collective out of brooklyn uh do double dry hop double ipa citra mosaic uh and nelson Sauvin hops Sure, whatever. Uh, eight percenter, pretty, uh, pretty hazy. Not gonna lie, but pretty tasty. Sounds good to me, man. Let's. Uh, oh yeah, like to try one of those myself. So, I am drinking an other half New York brewery. There, they actually have one up in up in DC now, so it's not so unlocal. Uh, it's called Patchwork Version Three Imperial IPA. Uh, 8.2 percenter. It's uh, I gave it a four and a quarter on untapped. And Jeff, I know you like to give me crap how I give everything a four. Um, I literally bought a beer the other day that uh, I didn't realize had coconut in it, and I despise coconut. Yeah, that got a two. <laughs> I drank it. It was like, what the hell is this? I looked at it. I was like, coconut. Oh, damn it! <laughs> it's painful, but I'm like. Four pack was twenty dollars. I'm drinking this shit. <laughs> it's gonna be painful to put down. It's gonna last a while, I bet. But yeah. So there you go. You know how to get me not to get, put, give a four. Let's put some coconut in that shit. <laughs> so fine. Cheers, Maybe guys. I'll, I'll trade you something for one of them just to take it off your hands. Absolutely, man. You can. Uh, yeah. Just <laughs> save something. You, Mail yeah, it you, now. I you got it. You got it. You a UPS. We got it. We got to meet up so I can give you this this kick ass new long sleeve shirt that you and I bought. Yeah, um, yeah. I've got it sitting up on on my shelf, waiting to give it to you. So once we're both vaccinated, we'll meet up for a beer, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll trade. I'll, I'll I will save the entire three pack, the rest of it for you, and you can trade me whatever you want back. So, um, right. yeah, no Bud Lights though. Sorry, Dave. <laughs> it's got to be even trades. <laughs> no class. Well, no but, class. but you said you gave it a two, so I'd probably give a Bud Light a two. So, well, that's an even trade. <laughs> Well, but if you like coconut, it's not going to be a two for you. I, I don't actually really, oh, really? like it, but I'll I'll do you a salad and take it off your hands. No, it's, you must like coconut better than me then, because it, yeah, it's it's that's it's the not. kind of co-host I am. You're welcome. Taking one for the team. See, Dave, that's so so that's it. Maybe, maybe that's you're be play bitch. Okay, maybe you're becoming the new bitch. I was just going to say, there you go. So uh, that works. I'll, I'll, I'll hey. I just got both of you right by my finger right now. It's cool. Um, (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's see if the Dynasty rankings get updated. Yeah. Uh, All right. We'll we'll see about that. Um, All right. Let's jump into this show tonight. Uh, We'll start off with our slow start and concern, you know, possible concerns. Um, Start here with Francisco Lindor. And I know the – you know the the Mets haven't played their full allotment of games because on you know that that first that first series was unfortunately canceled due to COVID. Um, but you know since then, and granted, I got these stats last night, so it, you know who, whoever played today, the stats are not in it. But I'm guessing much hasn't changed. But Lindor, as of last night, was four for twenty three, now which is a you know buck seventy four, three runs and an RBI, no steals. I mean, 
he was going in the second round despite kind of a disappointing season in 2020. Uh, and that's going to be a theme for a lot of these guys that we're mentioning. Um, you know, how, how concerned are you with Lindor not being able to bounce back to his, you know, 30 home run, 20 steal days that he had, you know, for many years there? I mean, I'm not concerned at all. Uh, I mean, there are some guys that, you know, at the end of the season, you know, they're going to put up, you know, the numbers on the back of their, their baseball card. And I think Lindor is one of them. If anything, I would say, you know, he is playing in New York now uh, after coming to the Mets, you know, in a huge trade. And I think there's a lot of pressure on him to be the man in New York. Uh, it's early in the year. It's, I mean, I know he's used to playing in cold weather in, in Cleveland, but cold weather always, you know, can, can be a bother on bats. So, um, you know, if we get to the end of May and his numbers look like this, I guess you can, you know, start to get concerned. But we're in the middle of May. It snowed here in Michigan. So I'm not going to look at any batters, <laughs> you know, stats and, and be too concerned at this point. Yeah, AJ, yeah. anything bad? Uh, yeah, I mean, it just hurts me personally with Lindor, A, because he's now a Met and I hate the Mets, but um, B, because he probably single-handedly somehow cost me our matchup last week. I'm just going to blame it on him. First round <laughs> keeper pick, so yeah, it makes sense. Um, but moving on, uh, talk about Mr. Anthony Rizzo. Six for 37, uh, 162 average, one homer, three runs, two ribbies. Uh, he does actually have two steals already, so that's pretty nice to see. But he was falling in drafts. Uh, I mean, it, and it, clearly it looks like it was for a good reason. I mean, are we still hoping for more of a bounce back after his horrendous 2020? Well, I mean, I guess after a horrendous 2020, I, you have no choice but to hope for a bounce back. But, I mean, we've got a small sample size in, in 2021, but his numbers, at least the advanced stats that you know I'm more keen on, they have regressed even since last year. So mm-hmm. just a couple of the, of the major dips that, that we're seeing is um, like his X on base. Um, he's normally, you know, elite for on base percentage. 91st percentile last year, which is what you expect from him, down to 57 percentile this year. So mm. just slightly above league average. And that's like the one thing you can bank on with Rizzo is, you know, getting on base. Barrel percentage was league average last year still, 49 percentile. He's at 17 percentile so far this year. Uh, K's and walks have been the same. So, you know, it's not like he's chasing the ball or doing anything too crazy. He's just not hitting well. Um, no, no major advanced stats at all. Have we seen a jump from last year, which was already a concern. So I am on the other side of the fence with Rizzo compared to Lindor. I highly concerned. Yeah. I'll say this too. Like his hard hit rate and stuff like that has has dropped dramatically to where his medium rate is going up. Uh, it's just, things aren't going in the right direction all over the place for him. So yeah, I was out on Rizzo to start. Um, you know, I, I was, I was more of a Chris Bryant bounce back guy than I was yeah. Rizzo. Um, and I know Bryant's been okay. I don't know his stat line right now, but it looks like that might be the right decision. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, it's, uh, it's not looking good for him right now. I mean, I think he'll be better than these stats overall in the year. Like his bad bips at 176, like that's not going to stay that low. That's just crazy. Although it was only 218 last year. So who knows? Um, but yeah, it's it's not looking good for Rizzo in, in the um, 
he's going to have to do something and he's going to have to change his swing somehow to be able to improve his numbers drastically here. So <clears throat> another guy here who also has struggles in 2020, again, you know, that's the theme of these four guys that we're going to mention here, these four hitters. Gleber Torres, you know, he was eight for 39, 205 average, two runs, an RBI, and a steal. <laughs> I mean, he's another. He just he needed a he needed a hot start um, after you know not playing well last year. I mean, what is going on with him right now? I mean, this guy was like a bona fide like stud for fantasy you know a couple years ago. So, what's going on with him? And and can he can he bounce back? Are you worried about him as well? I mean, again, we're talking about a third guy in a row that's you know playing in a cold weather city at the beginning of the year. So none of that, you know, often surprises me. But, you know, again, small sample size for all these guys. But, you know, Glaber straight up just is not producing right now. Um, the, the one thing he has going for him, ironically, is um, his, his barreled balls are drastically up from last year. Uh, yeah. Which gives you some hope that, you know, things aren't as bad as they look. But even with his barrels being so well, oddly enough, his exit, his average exit velocity has dropped to the point he's below this year top or bottom 10% of the league. So yeah, 85% the not, ball, not even good, yeah. dude. No, barreling the ball well, but the average exit velocity isn't there. So that's odd to me. Um, so I don't know if that's an just, you know, an outlier or if, if that's, you know, more reason to be concerned. He's young enough. <laughs> and again, when the weather turns around, I think it's going to be a different story, but we'll see. Yeah, the one thing also to look at with him is that his launch angle has increased dramatically. Like two years ago, it was 17. Last year, it was 14, almost 15. This year, it's 22. I mean, at some point, you're just hitting pop-ups. Like, that's not working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's um, way too And high. so, like, yeah, I mean, he's barreling the ball, but they're just going straight up in the air. And they're not going to be able to leave the park at that angle. That's hard. Um yeah, I mean, I also worry with him, like his strikeout rate's been increasing, um, has increased pretty bad this year. I know, again, you know, small sample size, it's early, that could, that could normalize pretty bad. But, you know, it's something that's something that always catches my eye. Like, our guy is seeing and hitting the ball well, and clearly right now he's not because he's striking out a lot more. And that's um, – so that's something that, that definitely catches my eye with him. Uh, and his bad bib is up. It's at 310, and he still has a oh, bad batting yeah. average. That's oh, not boy. good. So I no, I was wow. not buying Torres this year, um, mainly just because I was just going after the shortstops that were going ahead of him. Or this, uh, sorry, yeah, right? Shortstops. Second base shortstops. Yeah, I was right. going after the guys <laughs> yeah, going ahead of him. But uh, so, yeah, it's it just, yeah, it, it not looking good. And, Right now, and you know, hopefully he turns it around, but it just doesn't feel like he will. I don't know, AJ, if you got any thoughts about that. I mean, how many games has he had against the Orioles so far? Because <laughs> usually that that's all he needs, you know, like yeah, two like, or three to, to six, and then it's like 18 home runs and, you know, whatever. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> so I think once the Smashes. Yankees and Orioles start playing each other a lot, he's going to be fine. Um, especially in those warm months in Camden just blasted out of the park (laughs) exactly Um, (laughs) no I I was off of Torres this year as well Um, you know it's there there was other guys that I would rather have 
not even necessarily position-wise ahead of him. I mean, that's a given, but other guys that were going around the same area as him draft-wise that I was just mm-hmm. focused on. So I let him let him go. Uh, but speaking of second base, we've got Keston Hiora. Four for 34, 118, one homer, three runs, whoop-de-doo, four RBIs. Okay, starting to get better. Uh, no, not really. Striking out even more than last year and also more than 2019. Um, he's sitting at damn near 39% right now. Um, that's that's terrible. You, you can't produce if you're going to be doing that. So, I mean, it, are you worried about his ability to turn the strikeout thing around, or is this just who he is? I mean, heading into last season, you know, after the the great 2019 he had, I was, I was probably right up there with as high as anyone Mm -hmm. uh, was on Kesson. And, you know, obviously he really (laughs) disappointed um, and he's continuing it this year. I mean, just to add to your, you know, strikeout concerns, he's, literally in the bottom 8th percentile in K percentage and in the bottom 5 percentile in whiff percentage. So he's just straight up not making contact at all with the ball. Um, And then, you know, not to beat a dead horse, but then he's in the bottom 25th percentile of some, you know, pretty important batting categories. Uh, X-Woba, X-Batting Average, X-Slugging, X-On-Base Percentage. Pretty much everything that you care about for fantasy purposes, he's literally like, replacement level and worse it's just not pretty right now um you know they brought in colton wong which kind of tells you that you know they probably had concerns as well uh so he's he's definitely someone that's really hard for me to be so high on him not that long ago and now you know it'd be a real tough sell to get me to own him yeah yeah we i mean we talked about her here uh in the um the nl central preview that we that we broke down and i brought up the strikeout rate then that it had jumped so much from 2019 to 2020 and yes it was 2020 but like that was a red flag in my opinion and i was i was avoiding him because of that um and that's the fact that it's even gotten worse is just man like i'm so glad i avoided that bomb now I, I I walked into other landmines at second base, unfortunately, but it's not, <laughs> at least I avoided. <laughs> I avoided excuse me, yeah, they're everywhere. Well, no, they're I, everywhere. Didn't, I didn't get him. Well, I know, I know. I, I also got uh, just totally shell shocked and in TGFBI, where in the first thirteen rounds, seventeen second basemen were taken, and I was left with. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't even know who my second baseman. It doesn't matter. He's not good. So it's uh, it was one of it was one of those whoops. Yeah, oh, it, we're still playing second base. Damn. Yeah. Oh, damn. I forgot about that position. Mm. Yeah. Oops. All right. Uh, so it's here is one of those guys like. And the problem, like with any of these guys outside of Lindor, like I, I agree with you, Dave, on Lindor. Like I'm not overly concerned with him. I think he's going to come around. Um, you know, new team, a little bit of pressure. It is New York. We see this happen a lot with guys that go to the Yankees with those big contracts, and he signed a big contract before the season started too. Um, he could be pressing a little bit. Um, just I, I just think Lindor's too good. These other guys have been, you know, 
they've the arrow is pointing down and and you know metrics are not in their favor you know big time and and uh i think it's just one of those things like obviously you're not cutting a rizzo or a torres or Hira because you put in so much draft capital on these guys but is it one of those things like you're taking 50 cents on the dollar for them in a trade to just not have to deal with this crap right now and and you know you move on and you might actually end up winning that deal i mean keston maybe i i mean i guess it really depends on what your backup plan was for these guys, if there was one. Um, I mean, you might be able to flip Glaber for a decent price. I mean, he's got the, you know, the Yankee inflation added to him. Uh, maybe even Rizzo, same thing, Cubs inflation. But, you know, Keston might be hard to move on from. And depending on your league, I mean, he may well be borderline droppable. I mean, honestly, I mean... It, yeah, I yeah. wouldn't I wouldn't be opposed to dropping him at this point, you know, especially if you have other second base middle infielders it, that you exist. can plug in. <laughs> well, not you specifically because you f that up, but um other people that might be listening and, you know, drafted better. Um that didn't take my second fine. base drafting advice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm finding all the other people wait on second base unless they all go then you're effed. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I mean, Lindor, I'm, you're going to hold regardless. The other, the other two, I agree. Rizzo, Gleber, maybe hold until they start turning it around and find a Cubs fan or, you know, Yankee diehard in your league and flip them for something. And if you can get, you know, full price or, you know, close to it, do it. Just just go with it. Yeah, so we wanted to get into some pitcher talk here. Um now again, it it's hard to really like pick on a specific pitcher who's had like what? Some of them have had one start, some of them have had two, uh, uh you know, a handful have had three. I mean, you're talking short sample, small sample size for these hitters. I mean, this is even much smaller. This is way smaller for a pitcher. So it's hard to overreact to pitchers who have had, you know, two bad starts. That happens. If this, if they had like seven good starts and then they have two bad starts in a row and it's the middle of July, you're just going, eh. But it's the beginning, so it's dramatically worse, right? And it, it just looks worse. So instead of, instead of picking specific players, to have you evaluate. I'm going to pick guys in like a range of players, right? So who are struggling, but like, it's just kind of that range. So like, I want to ask you the question first, and it is, when do you worry about a pitcher who is having a bad start to the season? And so we'll kind of go by tier. So the first tier, right? Like it seems like the first like 10 or so pitchers are all doing pretty, pretty well. But Luis Castillo is a guy that's in that topish tier of pitchers, at least he was drafted this year that way, who is struggling. Um, had a horrendous first start, had a decent second start, then a average-ish third start. You know, when is it time to kind of, I don't know, I mean, maybe panic on a guy like this? I mean, same thing with the hitters. Like, for me... 
you've got to get like a month into warm weather before I really can start to get too concerned. Like there's a difference between a guy like Luis Castillo, you know, pitching in, you know, Cincinnati and a guy like Chris Paddock, you know, pitching out in, in sunny San Diego. So it's kind of the same thing. I, I would say, you know, June 1st is really the point where I'm going to start looking hard at stats. Uh, I mean, like you said, he's only had what? He's probably had two starts, and one of them he got three. He's had shelled. three. Okay, and he got the first start. He got the, shelled. The last one. <laughs> so I mean, it's really easy. I, I'm not even going to sit there and, and rattle off some of these numbers I have because it's like, and it's insanely, you know, small sample size. But I mean, Luis Castillo, for me, you know, pound for pound, one of the at least one of the top ten pitchers in baseball. So it's kind of like the Lindor thing where. I'm not super worried about it unless he's legitimately hurt, which I, I don't see any signs of that. I, I'm just going to hold on to him and expect that, you know, at some point during the season or solely throughout the season, he'll just get back to where he normally is. And, you know, you'll you'll see those numbers turn around. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that, AJ. These, these top echelon pitchers, like, you, you can't panic too early with these guys. I don't know if you've got any different thoughts. I know you're, you're, no. you're going to have to be trigger finger sometimes, but I'm not sure it's quite I, that happy. I do, but I've <laughs> I've had to dial it back this year because I just feel like there's no bench spaces or I just have guys I don't want to get rid of yet. I don't want to give up on. So, I don't know. Maybe wow, in my, AJ my old age, what? I'm, I'm no somehow way. learning how to... Uh, <laughs> wait things out that's amazing i don't know impossible um but i uh i do have a guy that uh a friend of mine might might chime in on here in a little bit but uh <laughs> so yeah. it's funny dave you brought up chris paddock um so he's another guy <laughs> that he was in that you know that middle tier of pitchers being drafted around 90 to 100 in, in most drafts. Now, his drafts started rising toward the end once people started realizing he was like SP4. So maybe the pressure was off of him type of thing. You know, he struggled last year after a pretty good rookie season. And he he did okay today. But before that, it was not great. Um, and even today, like I was seeing like the pitching ninja on, on, on Twitter and, uh, and, and some other guys talk about how his, his release point was just all over the place. You know, he'd be throwing a fastball from here and then the next pitch would be from over here. And it was just like, what's going on? And somehow it was still working today against the pirates. Um, maybe it was just the pirates. Uh, but I mean, how, you know, at, at this level of pitcher, if they're struggling, and Chris Paddock isn't the only one in this level, but he's just the first guy that popped out to me. Um, at this level of pitcher, how much leash do you give them before you're willing to cut bait or maybe try to find, you know, maybe 75 cents or 50 cents on a dollar type, if type of thing in a trade? I mean, I, I'm lower on Paddock than most. Uh, you know, when he came out his rookie season, it, it was – pretty surprising the year that he had because he wasn't you know an absolute just top shelf you know kind of can't miss prospect and and I I think a lot of people thought that you know he pitched above his weight class his rookie year and then he really came back down to earth last year like really came back down to earth and you know for as good as he was his rookie year he was you know equally as bad I mean we're talking you know bottom 15 percentile of the majority of the, you know, important, you know, advanced stats. 
um, you know, everything that involves, you know, slugging on base, ISO, you know, all that fun stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So far this year, I don't think he's been bad, honestly. Like, he struggled with his Ks. He struggled with his walks. But other than that, he's been, you know, pretty much league average, which, you know, I think is right around what kind of pitcher he actually is. I, I don't think, well, I know he's not as good as 2019. He's not as bad as 2020. We're seeing a little bit of an in-between. But because people were so high on him coming out of the gate, I think that they're looking at his numbers now and, you know, kind of giving him a, a sideways look. But I, I, I think that what we're seeing right now is who Chris Paddock is. Yeah, I'm, I'm on board with that. Um, I mean, he had so much hype. It was, and I bought into it myself. So I, I'm not trying to call anybody else out for, for doing it because I was right there with everybody. Um, now, you know, standard old AJ thinking, I did cut bait on him, you know, fairly quickly, even though I didn't necessarily want to. But, you know, from a dynasty perspective is, is where I had him. And I was just like, eh, I got to try to wait this one out even more. But I, I just didn't. I couldn't do it. Um, so it was it was a hard decision to make. And, you know, I'm, I'm okay with it now. But, yeah, Paddock, it just worries me. I mean, there, there's so much other talent in that pitching staff now that he shouldn't have the pressure. He shouldn't have to worry about any of that and should just be able to, to focus more on, on what he needs to do. But, you know, we just haven't seen it yet. So... Yeah, I'll, I'll say this in in uh, in a dynasty, more of a keeper league. We've talked about that on the show. Um, <clears throat> Tyler Thompson, writer for Fantasy Six Pack, was a huge fan of Paddock's when he came out, and you know his rookie season was awesome. He had him in the dynasty league, and I was pretty skeptical, and was and it started making me look more into Paddock when he traded him that immediate offseason. and I was like, whoa, you're just like this is like. You're, wait what man you got like a mini chub like when you got him man like what is going on um and he he kind of was just like oh i mean i got a good i got a good deal i was like you're not telling me anything <laughs> bullshit yeah <laughs> so sure yeah I, I feel you on that so let's move into this bottom three reach rounds david and, and two guys that they kind of pop out to me is dallas keichel and then obviously Corey kluber um you know, the guys drafted pretty late in your drafts uh, that, you know, maybe people thought, you know, new team, they, they can bounce back you know, or, or, you know, just have a good season in general. Um, pretty cheap. So, you know, you, you draft them that late. If you cut them, you're not really losing a lot. Um, you know, what's your thought on how much leash you give these guys on your on your teams? I mean, especially like a guy like Kluber, like that, that gets to be extremely volatile. Uh, I mean, pitching in general is volatile. Um, you know, once you get out of that elite tier, um, hey, thanks, Maddie. Uh, <laughs> once, you, once you get out of that elite tier, um, things get really sketchy, you know. And, and Keiko was great last year, um, at least, you know, peripherally, yeah. you know, with his ratios. Uh, Kluber, I mean, when's the last time he pitched? Like 1984. Um, so you never know yeah. if he's even yep. fully healthy. Um, it, it's just, it's tough to say with those guys. But as far as what kind of a leash you give them, I guess it really depends on what's on your waiver wire, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously. Keiko, I guess, is a different... I think Keiko's in a little different category just because you don't have the same health concerns. But if, if you think you can improve over over Kluber, I mean, I, I mean that's fine. I, he might be 
borderline waiver wire material anyways um you know even even when you drafted him so i don't think that you need to hold on to guys like that too long i don't see dropping Corey kluber costing you a, a title in your league right now not probably not but yeah you you've got a couple comments here man <laughs> oh did i miss a couple yeah. Oh, hey, thanks, Mag. <laughs> Mags is always a fan of my balls, though. I he's often custom <laughs> for me. He's, he's we are not a family show. Hey, tonight, this is fellas. a family show. Come on. <laughs> t- my balls get dusty up there. It guys. was never a family oh, show with no. me on it. I don't know. Of course not. Why that was ever <laughs> pushed out as some sort of a thing? As much as he likes my balls, as much as he likes my balls, Matt. Mags absolutely loves my hard wood uh, over here. Yeah, <laughs> Trent family that is, six pack. That is some nice <laughs> false <laughs> BBC right there. All right, AJ, you've got something Big you want to add before we kind of rip stick. through some injuries. Um, um, I'm kind of afraid. I'm just gonna sit back and figure out what will happen here. Yeah, oh, I I think a few things are gonna happen. Um. <laughs> I'm uh I'm going what what you would call off. Do you have to get the mute button ready? No, <laughs> F yes. you in your mute button. Yes, I will. I will come through the camera and strangle you. Um, he's probably already muted it at this point. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and bring on the alter ego of mine that has not been on the show for quite some time. Um, I don't know why. I don't know if we just had other things going on or whatever. Probably. probably. We had real topics to talk about. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> most likely we'll we'll go with that. Um, and uh, I'd like you all to say hello to Mr. Dick Bixby, Doctor Dick Bixby. <laughs> You're a doctor oh, now, wait. Jesus. <laughs> this could be from- yeah, I got a PhD <laughs> in ranting. Okay. Oh. How many of those have you had tonight before this show? This is the only one of these I bought. It was an individual just, beer. It just meant in general beer. Oh, one. Liar. <laughs> I had a Sierra I'm Nevada kidding. torpedo. Go, go check, go check your I'm fucking untapped, bro. I'm kidding. Go. All right. Jeez, relax. Anyway, don't interrupt Dick. <clears throat> Dr. Dick. Don't take long enough, so better not. <laughs> Patrick Corbin can suck on my Dick Bixby. All right. A, this turd not only sucked last year when we didn't even have a season, but he hasn't had any kind of success since he really donned the uh, team that kicked the living snot out of him tonight, the D-bags. I'm sorry, D-backs. Backs. Um I mean, he was good his first year in Washington. Okay, I'll give him that. You know, Pretty three sure World Series years. with him. That helps. <laughs> Pretty good. Uh, he went two and three in the nineteen postseason in eight games played with a five seventy nine ERA. So I don't think it was because of him. Just saying. Um, do some more homework. Thirty three <laughs> starts. The past, you know, two years straight in 18, 19. Whoop de shit. 11 starts last year. Two and seven in those starts. Um, he's gotten completely obliterated this year. 
absolutely destroyed. Um, let's see. Game one against the Dodgers. Okay. All right. It's the Dodgers. We'll give you a little bit of leeway, but they didn't even have Mookie Betts. They didn't even have Bellinger. He still managed to give up six earned in four and a third. Yeah. All right. All right. Whatever. Only one homer. Good on you. Negative six points for me in my uh, my one league that I have him in. Um, oh, and by the way, he missed the first, what, I don't know, umpteen days of whatever the season was because of COVID. Thanks, Washington. I had like six players of yours and could not start anybody um, because of that. So thanks. So today he goes out there and I was really, really, really tempted and should have benched his ass because of the negative that he threw up. Got busy drinking that Sierra Nevada and uh, hanging some pictures. You're welcome, wife. I love you. Uh, they look great. Um, a couple adjustments, whatever. I'm not going to talk about it. Two innings pitched. Six hits, nine earned, four walks, 1K, three home runs, Damn. Negative 23 points. Oh. <clears throat> yeah, I'm with you. Stupid turd. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, man. Like, I I always thought Corbin was a little overrated, even when he had those good seasons. Like, I never bought into it because uh, he never really, because he never really put it all together in Arizona Boom. except for the one season. So Confirm. I'm with you, man. Like, I just, um, you're gone. <laughs> You are man, rage, cut. you are not coming drop. back. <laughs> you are not coming back. Yeah, it's it. I just never, I never bought it. Like his strikeout rate was never all that high, and then all of a sudden, like bam, the strikeout rate happened, and then like he got good for two seasons, and then I don't know. It's like people figured out that he could throw strikes, and <laughs> they started hitting. Yeah, and they're like, oh wait, um, let's wait on the strike, and then just hit it out of the park. Yeah, his walk rate's up to six point two right now. Yikes! And that's probably without today's start in the Fangraphs stuff so it's probably worse today. Uh, yeah yeah the worst yeah, part his is... walk was walk rate 18 today so that's gonna go up that's gonna be phenomenal <laughs> i've got oh, 10 man. game starts and i was debating on dropping two people today start wise because i had lance lynn savale uh corbin and P- pineda pineda outscored all of them and he's the one that's on my bench so why would you bench any pitcher against the Red Sox crappy offense right now because the Red Sox have beaten Minnesota every game so far this week. And I thought, well, maybe it'll continue. And they barely lost today four to three, but Pineda only gave up two hits. He didn't get the win, but he still put up solid numbers. Meanwhile, um, I'm coming off of Carlos Rodan's no hitter yesterday mm-hmm in which I got 40-ish points, and um, somehow my offense managed to get me negative one point. Um, Yeah. I somehow still have the lead in this matchup. I don't understand how. Corbin, you suck. You're never coming back on my team. I don't care how many hookers, blow, bags, dimes, whatever the hell you think you can drop. We're going there. All right. But it's not happening. You're dead to me now. See ya. Next week, I'm probably going to talk about you getting injured. So that, good luck with that. That stat shocks me, Trent. I'm not going to lie, man, because I don't feel like they've been putting up the big offensive numbers. But yeah, especially when they got 
swept by the O's in the opening weekend. So <laughs> that kind of that's kind of lingering. So anyway, AJ, move it along. Let's, let's continue this, man. Yes, we shall. So in talking about some things that actually make sense, injuries. Okay. All right. COVID. We've talked about that a little bit. Uh, let's go into the Astros. We've got Jose Altuve, Jordan Alvarez, and a few others. We think it's COVID, not 100%, but we know it's 100% with Andrelton Simmons. So that's awesome. Uh, Christian Yelich is dealing with a back injury. He's currently day-to-day. Colton Wong, who we mentioned earlier, um, is now dealing with an oblique injury. Not a huge blow for the most part, but he was kind of a late target for some steals. And, uh, you know, he's a solid average guy. And apparently the, you know, heir apparent to Keston Hiora. <laughs> uh, Byron Buxton, fan of the show. Oh, so I've heard. Um, here we go again. <laughs> day to day with hamstring tightness. Get out. Any, any, I do any, not any, understand it. Anybody seen Crudes? Yeah, we knew this I'm, was coming. I'm, <laughs> I'm amazed at this news. I mean, this is this is the first time seeing that that Byron Buxton is an injury issue. Yeah, <laughs> pillar of health. <laughs> totally, totally. I mean, he probably has as many injuries and games not played as you have balls on the wall behind you. So, um, you know, times about seventeen. Matt Olson. There's a reason Buxton isn't uh, profiled up there. Yeah, because he's not on the field long enough to sign a ball. That's right. He injured his hand with somebody throwing a Sharpie at him. Um, Matt Olson, (laughs) you're about dead to me too, son. So you better get your ass together or (laughs) I'm done. You're going to be sitting on the the pine waiver wire of... Patrick Corbin's, you know, whatever. I think I he's, I'm, I'm he's, just he's had, he's been too good. Yeah. To, they caught him after, you know, what, 12 games exactly. or whatever it is. So, yeah. yeah. He's day to day with I'm not overreacting injury. there. But, he's, but been, uh, he's been dealing with some nagging crap, and it's it's not been a good start to the season for him. So, no. take it away. All right. Let's rip through the rest of these. Uh, Anthony Rendon, another guy who just seems to always have like injury after injury, um, you know, I, on the IL now with a groin. So that, that's a huge blow to that uh, Angels offense who, you know, they, they have hopes. Uh, you know, they signed some guys to try to, to try to make a run this year. Cody Bellinger, this one, like, this one's weird. Like he got spiked. And, uh, you know, we, we mentioned it last week where he was spiked, but they, like they thought he'd come back and maybe avoid an IL stint, but. It wasn't out of the question. He's now on the IL, and he still can't run. The swelling hasn't gone down. Like, this could literally last, like, weeks, it sounds like. This is bad. Um, so that's a huge blow because he was going super early in drafts, unfortunately. So There was COVID um, in the spikes. <laughs> uh, good news here. Brian Hayes is, uh, you know, he has a wrist injury that, that happened after the very first game. He has resumed swinging. Uh, as of Tuesday, so did he get his um, wrist injury from swinging in the first place? Hey, oh, uh, no Sorry. comment. Um, not so yeah, he'd be a huge boost for that offense. Not that the Pirates are very good anyway, but I mean, anything is going to help them. And he, you know, I think he's a star in the making. Um, Fernando Tatis Jr., 
This one, man, Damn. this one hawks me. Uh, I was thinking pretty much almost done what? for the season after the news came out of the subluxation of the shoulder. And obviously, you know, nobody said it officially, but like, does in my mind, like the shoulder injury he had in the spring kind of helped lead to this. You had to think they were related. Um, but he didn't. He went on the IL and he's actually returning tomorrow. We He's returning Friday. Quite a bit on the on deck circle. Yeah, podcast, uh, I know you guys did. And, um, I mean, <clears throat> this shoulder injury isn't new. He's been dealing with it um, all throughout the minors. Um, he left a game within the same week of you know this latest injury. Um, I think him coming back is just borderline suicide. Well, we'll see what happens. I don't, I, I don't want the kid to get hurt, but I I, don't I think that this is craziness. I I hundred percent agree with you. I just yeah. I don't see why they're gonna bring him back this this early, and um Padres and and on. risk like much more injury to this. Like I don't know. Obviously, I'm not a doctor, so I, I don't I don't know. <laughs> well, we we do have a doctor here. Uh, well, sorry, pointing the wrong way. Wait, Dick, where am I going? Yeah. over here. Dick, what do you think? <laughs> Bad idea. I agree. I agree. <laughs> with, I agree with, with Dr. Bixby's uh, prognosis here. Uh, I mean, he's got more talent in, you know, his bum shoulder than his dad had in his entire baseball career. <laughs> so why they want to rush him back is absolutely beyond me. And apparently Dick Bixby as well, Dr. Dick. Um, so, I think this is this is horrible. It's a bad idea. You know, if though, you're going all in with everything you guys have done this off season I to know. beat the Dodgers. This is not the way to go about it. The thing with me is like, okay, bring if you're gonna bring him back this season, right? You have a good enough team and a good enough pitching staff to keep you afloat to make the playoffs without him for what a month or even two. Let it heal. Let it get right. Let it, you know, see what's going to happen to it. They waited 12, 10, 12 days. They waited like the minimum days, basically. And they're just going to throw them back out there and be like, yeah, you're good. It seems absolutely crazy to me that they're going to do this. Um, I hope is, I hope they're right. Cause I, I would hate to see a talent like him, like have, you know, possibly his career affected by, by this injury because the team is, just panicking and 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 throwing it back out there when they probably don't need to. But uh, moving on here, we got Johnny Cueto. He left the game Wednesday with lat tightness. Um, he was pitching pretty well this season, man. Like he he's a guy that like you know if you're looking for a, you know at some point, well not now, uh, you know replacements for guys like Kluber who were struggling but were on the waiver wire. Cueto was one of those guys, um, and, and I picked but, him up, and now he's on my IL. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I almost I almost grabbed him too, um, and and you you just got him first. I wasn't paying attention yesterday, and then, but he even pitched well yesterday. He got hurt in what like the yeah. fifth or sixth inning, so he he went you know fairly deep and and pitched well. I think he had a shutout against the Reds, so it was a, it was a good good outing for him. And then uh, James Paxton update we mentioned it last week, a whole whopping one point one innings from this fella th- this year. Tommy John is in the books for him. So uh, we'll see you in 2022, James. 
Maybe. <laughs> I don't know with you, man. You're always injured. We'll see you in 2022 hosting a QVC uh, time slot of maybe 2 a.m. to 4 a.m. That's about <laughs> all you're worth right now. And you're going to be selling women's jewelry. <laughs> Have fun with that. All right. I, I would right. buy some knives from him. I I, just hey, look, if they give him the knife slot, I'm That's I'm all I'm in. I'm interested. Uh, I, I want to nice watch that. Block to put him in? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. A signed Paxton nice. wood block. Get some nice I can get like that for three low payments. I'm in. Dude, three low payments and shipping at 1995. If it's 1999, I'm out. 95, I am fucking all over it. Bring it on. You like the Walmart um, prices, huh? <laughs> what's wrong with 95 huh this was a good year just saying that's what Walmart does they don't do the 99s they do the 97s and the 95s yeah well they like to roll 94s it back 94s every once in a right. while roll it back save, bro save, save you those cents yes Chris Archer uh, left his last start with forearm tightness uh, he's going to play catch next week with maybe his dad um, I don't know uh, good for him <laughs> Pete Fairbanks wants the favorite to get the saves in Tampa Bay. Uh, It's now on the ILR. ILR? Yeah. ILR. Yeah. I like real. I don't know. Is that that a thing? IL, rotator cuff strain. I mean, this this has got to be Castillo's job now, right? Yes. No. Yes. I mean, it's, it's Tampa Bay, man. I mean. Brandon Lau might be pitching in relief for you know what for that team. That's true. <laughs> that's true. Hey, I mean, if he gets that eligibility, man, that's yeah, money. That'd be awesome. money. Yeah, I'd say he he had the uh, he had the um he he was getting the saves anyway, which kind of surprised me. So, but yeah, now that Fairbanks is out, I think Castillo pretty much is 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 kind of the lock there to, to get him. So, um. Which is kind of strange to say with Tampa Bay, but to finish up here with another closing bullpen situation here, we got Julian Merriweather and Jordan Romano of Toronto, both on the IL. Um, <clears throat> Merriweather has an oblique strain, and uh, Romero, I actually don't know what the injury was. It came out like <clears throat> an hour before the show started, so I didn't get all the details, but he's on the IL as well. Um, the question initially was, is uh delise gonna get the saves he got the first one um but you know now i think it's got to be his job right like i don't know who else would get it well i tell you i've gotten outside the box thought here and i want to make sure that maddie and matt listening because they'll understand where i'm coming from on this i think that with all the injuries for that blue jays bullpen they need to go out to mexico they need to bring Bartolo Colon in and have him play oh, yeah. games. Fuck yeah! Bartolo Colon's always the answer. God damn it! Thank you, Mags. Mags coming on tonight. Ah, my... I love me some Bartolo. You, you don't maybe, maybe he'll hit. Maybe he'll hit you a double in an NL game as well. There you go. Yeah. Oh my, Maddie! Put yeah, him a, put him in Bartolo a DA reference, baby. <laughs> I want to see a home run derby oh between. Bartolo, big sexy cologne, and Mr. Madison, I ride horses in the stadium bump garner. 
That's it. That's what the All Star Game should be this year. I don't care about I mean, the it's game. in Colorado. Make so I mean, this good. fine, great, it'll be, even it'll better, be fun. <laughs> so his double just became a triple. I mean, it's amazing. All right, let's jump into a topic that you are most known for, Dave, and that's some dynasty baseball. Um, got some strategy type of questions here for you. So the the very first one here, just very open ended question. Uh, you know, what's a tip you have, or a couple of tips, maybe you know, pretty quick here for you know first time dynasty players. Um, I mean, surprisingly, uh, have fun. I mean, that that's what we do this for is is to have fun. Um, I mean, we all want to win, of course, but um, you know, Winning having is fun, fun is 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 a guaranteed <laughs> way to have fun. But um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know. I guess have a plan really. Um, you know, if, if you want to, you know, draft to try to win now, you know, right off the bat, then, you know, stick to it. it it's difficult sometimes to pass on, you know, your Kalenics and Mackenzie Gores and, you know, Spencer Torkelson's when they're sitting there staring in the face and, you know, you got to get boring and, you know, take a David Dahl or, um, you know, Corey Seager or something like that, you know, but the, you know, you got to just stick with what you're doing. So, um, if it's something where, you know, you're more leading towards, you know, you, you know, you do like those young guys, then, you know, stick with it. You know, you can't get crazy. You gotta, most of these, you gotta be able to, you know, field a major league team. So at some point, you know, you gotta get those guys, but, um, you know, have fun, have a plan and, and stick with it really. So, I mean, you've kind of touched on it a little bit here, but when you're doing a startup dynasty, how much do you actually invest in win now versus the future? I mean, you talked about having to go out and get some of these guys because you have to feel the team. But what's your strategy there? I mean, most of us, you know, prefer to play to win now. It's kind of easier, um, you know, I don't think anyone typically enjoys having to rebuild a team. So to draft <clears throat> automatically rebuilding is pretty difficult. You know I mean? Prospects just by nature are extraordinarily volatile. So you could sit there and, you know, just have your pick of, you know, the top 25 prospects that you want to build your team with. And it's no guarantee that you're ever going to win a damn thing, you know? Um, so most of us, you know, we try to win now, you know, but you got to kind of go with, you know, how the boards drop to you. So, um, you know, sometimes you have to make a pivot, you know, that just makes total sense. But I don't think you'd ever want to go full-blown going for the future. Um, going full-blown win now is a little bit easier. Uh, you know, there's so many prospects that, um, you know, you can you can target extraordinarily late in your draft that, you know, you can go balls to the wall to try to win, you know, in the next, you know, in the first two or three years and still get quite a few good pieces, you know, later on to try to fill those holes. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Um, <laughs> that that Dynasty Keeper League that I'm in, um, I say Dynasty Keeper because it's 40-man roster, but we only keep 25. I'll talk to you about this, Dave, so you know the league I'm talking about. Um, but <sighs> I've won it five out of six years. The reason why is I drafted to win now, but at the same time, I drafted young, really good talent. Yeah, maybe higher than they should have gone the year that we drafted, like Mookie Betts, like 
Nolan Arenado, uh, those years that we, you know, six years ago, they weren't, you know, top two, three picks, but two, three round picks. But I drafted them that way because they were super young and they were super talented. And I knew they would produce um, for a long time. Uh, so I think you can draft kind of both ways in a, in a dynasty league where you're drafting to win now, but you're also drafting for a win now window that could be a long time, right? So you're drafting for the future too, at the same time, like the the future, we had guys picking prospects in the first like 20 rounds of this draft. And I was looking, I'm going like, y'all are crazy. Um, And they have zero, they have zero capital to trade right now because half those guys didn't, didn't pan out. Um, as you kind of alluded, like they're very volatile. Um, you know, I went after guys that were young, that were already in the majors and kind of, I knew what they were. Um, and I, I think that's the way to go about it. I don't know. What do you think about that? I mean, that's what everyone's trying to do. You know, I mean, you'd be surprised though. There's guys that go crazy over future. Like I gotta, you know, if I get all the prospects, I'm going to win for 20 years straight. They do it in football too, man. People do it in football all the time too. that are. If you're talking about guys that are already up, though, you know, like, you know, if you're sitting there driving, you know, if you're getting Gavin Lux and Luis Robert and, you know, a bunch of guys, you know, along those lines, that that's what everyone's shooting for. You're shooting for guys that are in the big leagues already under 25. Um, they are drastically, you know, have their price raised in, in Dynasty over redraft. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, guys like Dylan Carlson, you know, He's not going. He's going to be so much higher in a, in a dynasty yeah. league than a redraft because you don't know exactly what you're going to get from him in 2021, but you know 2023, four, five. You know you could be getting one hell of a player, but he's not going to necessarily hurt you right off the bat. Um, so you know the guys that you're talking about in most leagues are just elevated, you know, to to a different level. I mean, and then you get your guys like you know Max Scherzer or before he got hurt, you know, like Justin Verlander. I mean, I've I've been in dynasties where both of those guys are going outside of pick 100, and wow, you know, it, and in a redraft That's league, absurd. I've taken Scherzer as high as the top 15. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, they're they're so drastically you know different, but I guess the the point is, I think everyone's trying to get you know the, the guys that you're talking about in. In most competitive, you know, dynasty leagues, I, I I think that's the thought going in. But I think people get enamored with the the young prospect type guys uh, who haven't quite either made it up, and they just because it, it happens in football too, man. I've seen it with dynasty leagues in football. People just get crazy with like the young talent that hasn't quite done it yet, um, or the rookies, and they'll overdraft all the rookies. And I'm just kind of like, fine, I'll win for the first three years. Bye, guys. <laughs> like, I'll just play with house money for the first, yeah. first 20 years of this league. Thanks. Bye. But uh, so speaking of young guys, though, we always have the rookie drafts in, in these dynasty leagues. When you go into a rookie draft, first year player draft, what do you want to call it? What is your strategy? Are you picking or taking um, – best player available all the time or do you ever draft just by team need i mean stuff like that i mean there there are a few exceptions i guess like um you know like like kim you know coming you know internationally over you know to the padres who's major league ready you know you can make a case and it's it's not often but you can make a case for you know somebody like that um 
you know, where you could draft for a need specifically, but it's so rare. Um, you know, baseball, when you draft guys, even, you know, the top of the top, you know, you're taking Spencer Torkelson, you know, with the first pick, you're not going to see him for a year or two. And that's, you know, that's the top pick. Once you get even further down, you know, you, you start getting your guys that are, you know, your absolute top, you know, international prospects. And, you know, those guys might be four or five years away. So I guess long story short, almost exclusively, you're, you're just straight up going for, you know, the, the best guy available. Um, most of us try to avoid picking extremely early. Um, you know, anyone that's coming out of high school or is, you know, internationally in that age is an absolute dart throw. Um, so it's usually, you know, hitting early. Um, and you're not really too worried about the position because it really doesn't matter a lot of times either. You know, you've got your kids coming out of high school. Most of the best players are, you know, playing, let's say shortstop and 75% of them are going to move to the outfield or second base or, you know, third. So you you can't draft by, by need really. It's just, you know, what, what kind of profile of players do you like? And, you know, you try to get as many of them as you can and, you know, hope that a couple of them pan out. Yeah, um, I, I agree with that statement. You know, for the first couple of seasons in my dynasty league, I was drafting on team need, and then I quickly realized that that was the wrong decision because these guys are so far out and they don't pan out most of the time. So, it, me relying on a guy that's three to four years away from being my next shortstop for the future wasn't happening. Um, and yeah, I try to draft guys that are, are more MLB ready was, was key. The other thing, and, and AJ, you know, this from, um, uh, <clears throat> our, our, our guest, Chris blessing that we got on here a few times talking about this. He taught me to go out and especially in the first couple rounds in the draft of the actual MLB draft, look for those guys that are getting the higher slot money then they should be uh, expected to get. Sometimes that's, that's that can risky. make it. That's risky. But it's not always the case, but like that mean, that tells you that the, the talent is probably there, but they dropped for other reasons for what you know. And so like, maybe that's a guy like, especially like for me, like, because in, in my dynasty league, I've been drafting at the back end of the second round of every single one. We only have two rounds, <laughs> which doesn't seem like a lot, but uh, no, so like not. I'm the last pick of the second round. So like I'm picking from nobody's. And at this point I'm going, I'll just take the guy that the team that drafted him thought he was way better than, so maybe they're going to bring him through a little faster. I don't know. That's kind of the thought process. It was, it's just another thing to look at, not the thing to look at, but another thing to pay attention to. I mean, usually the over slot stuff is, is literally, you know, I mean, it's not to bad players, obviously, but um, it's usually the guys that are, you know, high schoolers that, you know, aren't going to get drafted in a spot where, you know, they're, they're happy about. So you've got to pay them enough money to convince them to not go to college. Um, and that's actually exactly, you know, a lot of you look at the Tigers draft this last year. That's exactly what they did. They got absolute steals in that draft um, with the guy, you know, like Daniel Cabrera. Um, and it's a lot of it is just because they were willing to oversign people. So you're kind of, mm. you're kind of bribing them in a way, which is cool. Um, it's interesting. And it's not necessarily it's not necessarily a bad way to look at it to say, 
you know, who got paid drastically over their value. Um, but it is a lot of times, you know, a, a high school kid that they're just trying to keep from going to college. Yeah, that's an, yeah. It, again, just no, another viewpoint on it is, is always good to have here. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, put them in a system and see what happens. So, all right, moving on then. So you're writing a Dynasty Baseball series uh, about how to rebuild. So talk a little bit about what you've done so far and what else is to come on this series. Well, this is something that Joe begged me to do, um, as a matter of fact. <laughs> Not it's surprised. Awesome. Joe, Not this was, surprised. This was Joe's idea. Was it my um, and we it was my idea. How, Begging, how I don't know about that, um, but please. Just admit you did, did, did I want your articles to get more than four page views because you were talking about people nobody knew? Yes. But, uh, people that, people so thank that you. you don't know. <laughs> Apparently, oh, nobody knew because they got four know, page shit. views. <laughs> shit, we got fire over here. We got fire over here. <laughs> but, right. uh, and Jeff just I mean, up and left. He's tired off... of hearing us talk. <laughs> yeah, he's like, and I'm out. <laughs> Figure it out. I'm gone. But uh, it, it's something that, you know, we, we didn't know how to go about it. And I was going to just write this <laughs> massive encyclopedia um, of an article. And we decided to break it down into in the different stages. So um, I sat down, I, I just thought about, you know, what exactly you'd want to do from front to back, you know, if you decide, you know, it's time to read team. And, and so far, man, isn't, I think we're three, I think we're three steps in, right? Joe? You're three, we, yeah, you're three in. League, it was, which is, it was uh, yesterday. Yeah. So, so know your league is, you know, by far number one, it, it sounds crazy, but, even in some of these industry leagues um, that I'm in, um, and I'll drop Mike Kirkland's name because he, he makes fun of himself a lot for this. Um, you know, <laughs> we were drafting a league and Friend he of the didn't show. realize it was OBP. Like yeah, oh, exactly. No. I know he was on, and he didn't realize it was <laughs> OBP until I don't know we're like five uh, or six picks in, and he goes, "Oh <laughs> shit, this is OBP, isn't it?" And we're like, "Uh, yeah, dude." Uh, <laughs> so we got a Whoops. good laugh out of that, but but it just goes like, to show, you know, um, just know your league you know i mean it's such an easy thing to overlook and you might think that you know what's going on and you know just before you start to tear your team apart and rebuild it just make sure that you know you know what it is that you actually need to build um and then i got into you know defining your assets kind of looking at your team whether it's something you've taken over just something that you currently own figuring out who you want to keep who you need to move and and a plan for doing that and then the last one was talking about just determining your, your time frame so that mm-hmm. you're looking for players and you're going to, to build a team that in a perfect world is going to kind of come together in a fairly short period of time. And we're talking like a year to two years, but you know, you want guys that are going to be meshing together at the same time. Same thing that big league ball clubs do, you know, um, you try to get everything to happen all at once. And then, you know, the things we still have left to go, um, uh, you know, how to develop, you know, who the, the guys you're going to trade for are, you know, building blocks for your team. Um, I like to talk about, you know, being aggressive, you know, finding the guys that you want and going and getting them. Um, you know, something like building draft capital, that's going to be important. Um, doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to utilize it all to draft players. You can utilize it to make moves as well. Um, 
surprisingly, the waiver wire can be a big part of it. Um, depending on your league, you may be able to get valuable pieces that are like win now that you can, mm-hmm. you know, kind of pick up. Kind of like you know some of the the batter, you know, some of the worst teams in baseball will do. You know, they'll sign a free agent on a one year deal, hoping that he does well, and they can flip him at the trade deadline. So something similar to that. And then, you know, just kind of you know evaluating your your process, how things are going. You know, do you need to de- you know, deviate from your plan? Um, and, and I mean, you know, that that's that's it in a nutshell. But um, we get down to where you know we're gonna finally have you know seen our plan through, and then what we do to to go building to contending again. Yeah, no, it's it, uh it's a phenomenal piece and, and, and uh, you know, it's all going to come together and really help out a lot of dynasty, a lot of dynasty baseball players. I feel like this type of content really isn't out there. And, you know, you, it's, it's, it's hard to write because obviously every team is different, but like you're able to, you know, I've read all three of the articles you've written already and you're able to take it and like, come at it from all the different angles. Like, you know, if you're a win now team, you're doing this. If you're a kind of in between team, you're, you know, you got to decide if you're a team that's in the basement, you you've got to do this instead, you know, like, and that's the type of thing. So like you've come at it from all the different angles um, when you had to. So it's, it's great stuff. And I'm looking forward to seeing all the rest of it. Cause uh, look, I, I'm not a huge dynasty guy either. Uh, I don't write it. Uh, I don't claim to be, but, uh, and so it's, it's good information for me as well. So, um, the last question we've got for you regarding dynasty baseball is, you know, it. I feel like my my biggest struggle with dynasty baseball is just, you know, w- the resources out there for it. Um, like, you can go out and look at all the stats you want and uh, you know, all the player breakdowns and, and waiver wire articles for all the redraft stuff you want at, all over the place, right? Including our site. Um, obviously, you know, we we've built out our dynasty baseball team with with, with your big help. Um, and so we, you know, we've been doing some some player profiles and and you know buy sell articles and um, you know we're doing the the team breakdowns as well with like their farm systems and they they're great and and so obviously fantasy back is a place that you can come now for dynasty baseball uh, resources but what other sites do you use to go out there like I, there's got to be something out there that you know people can get help with. Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, there's tons of great stuff out there. Um, you know, the stuff that I use, uh, if you're talking like, you know, for prospect specific things. So like you, Joe, if you were doing, you know, any one of the well, the majority of the leagues that I'm in, I would direct you to go to like Prospects Live, for example, mm-hmm. right? Like Prospects Live has got all sorts yep. of, you know, big name writers out there. And, and what I get a lot from them is they're really good with their scouting reports. So stuff that is, you know, again, beyond the stats and, you know, prospects lives is, is a great place to go for that. Um, MLB pipeline, that that's a pretty common one, but, uh, you know, their, their rankings are not fantasy related. They're right. real life related. So you have to be careful when you see where guys are ranked sometimes, cause it, it doesn't, it does not line up at all necessarily with fantasy, but what I like about, um, them and prospects live does the same thing, but they're, they're good about the grades. So you can look at, you know, what a guy's strong suit is Mm -hmm. and um, they're good with their ETAs as well. So, you know, as you're, and I I think I put this in the last article, um, you know, as you're looking at your time frame, you know, having those ETAs are really helpful because like I said, you want to kind of get everyone all on the same page and all on the team, you know, in a, you know, like at least, you know, two year window. So 
it's helpful to know if, you know, Christian Hernandez, you know, the stud, you know, international signee, you know, is he going to be up in, you know, in the 2015 range? Or is he, you know, some quick hitter that we think is going to be up, you know, 2012, 2013. Um, so ETAs on pipeline are really good. Of course, there's my old stomping grounds, uh, Prospects 1500. They do extraordinarily deep dives on prospects. They go top 50 of each team. Uh, they do it at the beginning of the year. They do it in the middle of the year. So you have a hard time um, not finding you know some write-up um, or at least a ranking per team of just about any prospect that is remotely fantasy relevant. Now, a lot of you know their guys are kind of hit or miss on if it's you know um, just real life rankings or if it's dynasty rankings. Um, but they go 50 deep. So yeah, again, anyone that's kind of relevant is going to be on there. Yeah. And then if you're talking more MLB kind of stuff, um, fan graphs is obviously awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can get just uh, a plethora of things, you know, out of, out of fan graphs projections, um, you know, projected lineups as well as stats. And then my personal favorite, because I like to do the advanced, you know, metric stuff and, this is where we got a lot of our stuff for on deck circle. Myself and, and Jason Beckner, uh, we're kind of you know heavy into the you know analytics part of it, and so Baseball Savant is the place that yeah. we go. That's where you get a lot of my numbers from tonight about you know x woba, x slug, spin rates. You know, um, you know, just it's all those advanced stats that aren't dynasty scoring categories, but but they definitely you know relate to. If a player is struggling, or is it bad luck? Is it, you know, they suck? You know, what is it? So you can really kind of do a deep dive there and get more information than just, oh, yeah, the guy's batting 100. Well, yeah. but if his BABIB is, you know, 050, you know, well, that's why. But, you know, if a guy's batting, you know, 300 and his BABIB is 450, well, you know, that's why, too. So, um, yeah, it's tough, though, man, with these, big. with those. With- with the minor leaguer guys, like it's tough to find those stats. Um, well, they that, don't exist. They, um, yeah, I mean, both very, very few um, minor league ballparks have that that Statcast uh, equipment. So you have to go off of. Well, just even starter. even some of like the, I don't know, I, I would call them kind of the the baseline like advanced stats, if you want to call them that. You know, like. They don't exist for minor leaguers either, so it's it's tough. You know, you're just looking at pretty, you know, standard stats for a lot of these guys, which is why you've told me a lot of times don't necessarily want to look at just the stats for these guys. You need to look at the grades and the talent level. So that's a key thing yeah, to prospects, think about when you're looking at the these guys. The worst thing you can do is look at stats. Um, and again, we talked about this with the on deck circle uh, podcast a couple nights ago. With, you know, prospects, there's so many different leagues and they're all different levels of talent. So if you're looking at a guy in, you know, um, I don't know, Dominican Summer League and, you know, in a big sample size, you know, let's say 50 games, you know, he had 400. Well, that's fantastic. <laughs> but that's the Dominican Summer League, right? And what would he have done against, you know, double A competition? And then even within those leagues... Or even within those levels, if you will, different leagues are, you know, notorious for being, you know, pitcher friendly, for being hitter friendly. So, um, you know, you'll get some leagues where, you know, hitting over 300 is not a big deal. Um, and in other leagues, you know, if you hit 300, it's, it's a miracle. So minor league stats are 
probably the most overrated thing in the world when it comes to baseball. Yeah. All right. So we got we got one more topic left. Uh, I, I do want to I do want to hit on it. I know we're running a little long. So um, we're talking about some DFS MLB strategy talk with you, Dave. I know that you know you're big into the DFS stuff, especially with football as well as baseball. Uh, so we, we got a few questions for you for as far as strategy. And uh, AJ, take it away with the first one, man. All right. Question one: What types of <laughs> contests do you prefer to play? Oh, was that from Doctor Dick or was that AJ? Both, <laughs> both. Oh, from both. Well, very well. I'm multiple uh, personalities, baby. Can't uh, tie me down to one. Do I like to play? Um, I mean, it depends on how much time you have to invest, honestly, um, and and what tools you have at your hand. So for me, I hate single entry tournaments for the most part. I think that. DFS, especially for baseball purposes, is just extremely volatile. And Joe and I helped. Uh, or Joe and I talked about this the other day when I was helping them you know, build the lineup. Um, <laughs> <Trent>. <laughs> it, it's 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 hard. So for me, I have the tools, I have the resources to me too, Trent. Um, to to use an optimizer. So for me, my advantage is you know um, MME, which is you know mass multiple entries, where you're you have a ton of people in these tournaments and you can put in multiple entries. So you know, it's it's common for me to mostly play um, contests where you can put twenty lineups in, um, and I'm able to to utilize a variety of things to 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 make that to where I have an advantage, at least theoretically, over the average person. With uh, since we're running low on time, without getting into too much detail. Yeah. So right. okay. So you like the MMEs, right? So and and, and I and I knew that, but. I kind of want to let everybody know, like that's where you like to play, because uh, you think it gives you the best opportunity to cash, because uh, you like to play multiple lineups. So my question for you is, and I've heard this from a couple of different people, like so you know they go into the tournaments, the MMEs and things like that, you know the, the tournament style plays, and and do those, and they cost a little more or whatever sometimes, but they kind of balance it out with you know, 50-50s and head-to-heads and to kind of like, okay, if I don't hit in my tournaments, I'm going to probably hit in these and, I, you know, I can at least balance out. But hopefully I hit in both. Do you subscribe to that strategy as well? Um, every sport's a little bit different. Um, for football um, or even basketball where um, stats are a lot more predictable uh, than baseball, then yeah, b- pretty common strategy is half your money in cash, which is, you know, like a 50-50 kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, and then half your money in MME. And really what the thought process is, um, you know, you've got a better chance of, you know, winning your money in the cash games, which are just low risk, so that if you lose your ass in MME, you kind of break even. And then for when you do hit big in the MME, then, you know, that's really, you know, how you're going to make your money. But again, right. everyone's a little bit different. Um, and if we're talking specifically for baseball, cash games are, are tough, man. Um, and it really comes down to just how volatile baseball is. Um, I mean, just look again, look at, you know, things we talked about earlier, like Luis Castillo has been getting rocked this year and he's one of the best pitchers in baseball. So mm-hmm. if you're spending a bunch of money on him because, you know, he was facing the Giants the other day, and he gets rocked for four in the first inning. Well, you're you're done. You just spent a ton of salary on one player, and that single handedly kills you. So, um, for for myself again, I am way more profitable playing MME. I I don't touch anything else for baseball. 
Um, and a lot of it is just because that's, like I said, that's what I'm good at. Um, that's, that's where I've got a very refined, um, strategy that has proven to, you know, consistently be good. Um, other people suck at MME, but they're awesome somehow at like single entries. So, you know, if that's what you're good at, then, then, you know, that's what you do. You got to kind of find what you're good at, um, and just stick with that, whether it's boring or not. If you're playing to make money, making money ain't boring, you know? Yeah. So with that being said, then what's your most commonly used strategy when creating your MME lineups? I mean, do you target the best hitters, the best pitchers? Do you always stack? Well, I mean, that's, that sounds like a really simple question, but it's extraordinarily um, difficult. Um, no, not at all. And, and honestly, if, if you want to just talk about the two biggest sites, um, FanDuel and DraftKings, depending on which one of those sites you're on is, is going to make a humongous difference in, in how you go about things. Um, they're just not set up the same. So, for example, FanDuel, you, get, you just have to play one pitcher. And there is no catcher and first base position. They combine them into one. So, theoretically, you don't have to play a catcher. You can just play a first baseman. Um, and then they have a utility spot where on DraftKings, it's two pitchers and just every position, no utility. So it's, it's actually completely different. Um, so I mostly do DraftKings just cause I think it's a, it's a little more difficult, which I think gives someone that has a lot of experience, a lot of resources at their hand, a bigger advantage cause it's more difficult. The pricing's a little tighter on there. So you have to find value a lot more than on FanDuel where the pricing is a lot looser. Um, and so you can fit more studs in there and it's a little bit easier to build great lineups. Um, so with that being said, because FanDuel only has one pitching spot, a lot of times pitching gets bumped up quite a bit there. And so um, stacking is always mandatory, basically. I mean, you, you have to stack, but um, you're, you're more so looking on FanDuel for getting, you know, a, a a pitcher that you're completely confident in and then working your stacks around that. When it comes to DraftKings, you've got two pitchers. So usually you, you typically avoid the, the high end elite pitchers and you're focusing fully on stacks and then you're just finding good value um, in the pitching spots. That's usually, that's usually the most profitable way to go. Um, every day is obviously a little bit different, uh, but generally speaking, that's, that's the most common way that I go about things. No, that makes sense. And and so you talked about, you know, we talked about stacking and, and we had this conversation when I had that free roll. Um, you helped me out building a lineup because I just don't play MLB DFS. Um, the, we talked about stacking and obviously, I, you know, I know that's a thing and I knew I needed to do it. Um, but it was like how much stacking and, you know, you know, Keith lot, the, the co-owner of fantasy six back, you know, Threw out a couple lineups where it was a, a four four two stack or a, or a four two two, and then you gave me a, a four four. I don't know what the hell you give me. You give me something else with a one off. You're making up numbers now. You yeah, just you yeah. just you just gave me like a Six, you gave me a random one. Anyway, seven niner. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Was there a niner in there? <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, like how would how do you stack? Like, what is your most common stack? You know proportions there i guess if that's the right way to say it probably not but it's whatever a, you know what i mean yeah <laughs> I, mean, no, well, I mean 
mean, what you're saying makes sense. So, um, everything but basketball stacking is probably just you know the the most important thing you can do now. Obviously, you can win doing just about anything if you get lucky enough. But um, you know, stacking is it's the same thing as in like football where. If I've got Aaron Rodgers, then I probably want Devontae Adams because every time Aaron Rodgers throws a touchdown pass, there's a good chance it goes to Devontae Adams, and I want both of those touchdowns. It's the same thing with baseball. Um, you know, you want to have, uh, you know, a team that's that that theoretically is going to have a big day, and then you want the players from that team that are going to do that damage. So. Um, th- Again, everything's always a little bit dependent, but basically the, the two most popular ways to stack are either 5-2-1, um, which means five guys on one team, two guys on another, and then just a one-off. 5-2-1. I knew I had a five somewhere in there. Yeah, 5 two, one. <laughs> or, or you can do 4-3-1, which is obviously the same thing. Four guys on one team, three guys on another, mm-hmm. and then a one-off. Um, I mean, how to do that varies, again, from day to day. Um, and it kind of depends on how risk adverse you are. If you're going five to one, that's more aggressive because you're taking five guys out of one team. So if they do really well, your chances are obviously much better. If they suck, you're dead. But you also want to, you know, you've got to keep in mind, you know, everyone has a salary. So you can't just say, okay, I want the one through five hitters from the Yankees because on most days you can't afford that. But at the same time, you don't want to just say, okay, well, I want five Yankees. So. I'm just going to get the five least expensive guys. Um, and you've got them two spread out around the lineup. So um, there's what we call gaps in the lineups. And usually um, when you're building, you know, especially a, a five to one, you try not to have a gap of more than one spot in the lineup between guys. Right. So if you want to go, you know, the leadoff hitter, the three, four hitter and the five, six hitter, that makes sense. There's not a, there's no big gap. You're not going one, two, three, four, eight. Like that doesn't make sense. What what's the eight guy? He's not he's not he's not correlated to the rest of the guys, even though he might be a great value and yada yada yada. His production is unrelated to the other guys. That's so why he's a great value, by the way. Well, yeah, probably. He's um, the eight. So you know you're doing five you're doing five two one whenever you've got a uh, you know a, a big offense mm-hmm. um, against a terrible pitcher, and you want to stack as many of those guys together as you can. Um, if it's a, you know, if it's a more evenly spread out kind of day where maybe there, there still are, you know, a handful of teams, you know, there might be three, four, five, six different teams that all have equally great matchups. And, you know, if we're doing MME and I'm doing 20 lineups, I'm going to want to spread around the love to all these different teams. So that might be a case where I say, you know what, sure. Five and two would be great. But if I think that Mall teams are going to have big days. I want to diversify a little bit, and I want to have four of this team and still have three of this team. So, I mean, the, I mean, in a nutshell, five, two, one, four, three, one are, are the best ways to go. Um, you can do other things, but um, when you do your research and you really go back and and look at the history of you know what wins and what doesn't win, the those two are typically the one that you know win the most. Yeah, I mean, it sucks because the night that the night that I played in that free roll, obviously there's a bunch of random people in it, and it seemed like all the top end guys like didn't stack, and it just worked out that way that night. And that's gonna happen. Um, yeah, it's gonna happen. It just 
yeah, it's unfortunate. So, all right, man. Well, that's all we've got for the show. I'm glad you came on, man. This was a lot of a lot of great information. All the dynasty talk was fantastic. The the DFS talk was fantastic as well. Um, before we let you go, though, let everybody know what you got going on for the site and where they can find you on Twitter, man. Well, I just wanted to reiterate that um, we haven't had a new competition, uh, so I am still the most handsome uh, member. <laughs> I of knew this was coming eventually. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's just a fact, Joe. Um, it's not me, Brian. I'm not sure where this original people. contest happened in the first place, but, you know. You're just, you're bitter, and I understand. It's fine. Okay. Um, but <laughs> you can find me on Twitter right right what, right there um, <clears throat> at Corporal Eddie. At Corporal um, Eddie. Yeah, yeah. Point, 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 point to the right place, right? Yeah, that, that is trying, hard. Yeah. That's it. what I'm saying. It's yeah, I know. Um, but you know, uh, I, I, I got those, uh, final seven steps for a dynasty rebuild that, that comes out kind of sporadically, but about once a week, uh, dynasty baseball rankings. If you don't know about those already, then I don't know what the hell to tell you. Shame on you. Um, <laughs> the biggest thing on the damn site. So yeah, yeah those are pretty popular. Um, uh, they're, they're a great <laughs> Thanks, resource. <AJ. laughs> Um, but yeah, then, you know, the rest of the dynasty team, I'm not going to, you know, rattle everyone's name off, but, you know, go to the site, dynasty6pack.net, go to the dynasty tab, um, and 100%. look around and, and see what it is that catches your eye. Um, if there's content that you're looking for and you can't find, hit up myself, hit up Joe, hit up whoever and, and say, Hey, this is what I want to see. Um, and especially if it's a, you know, Bartolo Cologne update, it'll be on the site. Don't worry about <laughs> it. Then hit me tomorrow. Bartolo. <laughs> That's right. Got you. Bartolo all day, baby. That's about it, though. Dave's got a cell phone. He'll he'll hit him up. So, (laughs) all right, man. Well, again, thanks for coming on. It's good talking to you. Uh, It's been a long time coming for this show. So, uh, we will uh, have to do it again soon. Uh, Until then, have a good night, and we will talk to you later, man. Dust off them balls. (laughs) Yeah. I will. I got got people. (laughs) Jeez. All right. Uh, All right, man, AJ, it's been a long one. It's been a fun one. I appreciate it. I'm good, it. man. I'm good. The only thing I got to do is uh, is pimp my Levante Brewing extra tickle parts. Extra tickle parts. It. That's interesting. Yes, tickle parts is one of their main main brews. This is extra tickle parts. So yeah. it's tickling that's me. Like, that's like the beer I got with extra sexy. Can't back. even reach. So yeah. yes, cool. It's good. It's good. All right, man. Have a good night, AJ. Have a good night, everybody listening. And uh, see you all next week. Peace. Cheers.